this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we are reviewing an album that our Patreon patrons voted for. The June 1997 album is our pick for this week, or our review for this week. We had four, to, four that they chose, Jay, or four that they chose from, I should say. And they were? Ben Harper's The Will to Live, Spiritualized Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space, Sugar Ray's Floored, and Paul, Weather, Paul Weller's Heavy Soul. Here's how the voting went. Coming up in last place with 7%, Ben Harper's The Will to Live. In third place, Paul Weller's Heavy Soul. In second place, but was leading at the beginning, Sugar Ray's Floored with 29%. God damn it. I would have fired all of our patrons if that would have won. 50%. Shit canning all of you. Half of the voters voted for spiritualized ladies and gentlemen. We are floating in space. So although it was not a majority, it was a plurality of votes. So that is the one that gets it. Jay, we're going to review spiritualized ladies and gentlemen. We are floating in space. I hope this is not news right now and that you have actually listened to the record beforehand. Otherwise, this is going to be really awkward. <laughs> so you're telling me I didn't need to spend a week listening to Sugar Ray? Yeah. Well, you <laughs> should have prepped by listening to all four and then we just jump into Right. Whichever one. Is that, sure. Yeah. Uh, Colin, I'm not coming to work ever again. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the comments that we got on this record, Jay. For oh, I hope everybody out there has uh, had a chance to listen to this record. This was a, kind of a big deal when it came out. In case people don't know, it was the third album by Spiritualized. came out in 1997, as we mentioned, June. And it was the second band, or the band that followed the breakup of Spaceman 3, which was... Jason Pierce, who went on the form spiritualized, and then Peter Kember was the other front man, was co front men. And oh. uh, yes, co front men. Oh, so Jason Pierce has basically been the driving force for spiritualized. He used a lot of different members in the band. Their first record that came out was in uh, 1992, Laser Guided Melodies. 1995, Pure Phase, and then the one we're reviewing, Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space, came out in 1997, followed by Let It Come Down in 2001, Amazing Grace in 2003, Songs in A and E in 2008, and then Sweetheart, Sweet Light in 2012. Let's get to the comments, Jay, and then we'll comment on this record. I'm just going to go down the... All the comments here. Terry McCook said, I voted Sugar Ray, but not for quality, given how they got caught with their own snark, caught by their own snark by hitting it big with a song that had nothing to do with their sound. There's so much to dig into here. Also, there are some songs in this record that walk the hilarious, awful line. I'd love to hear what you where you fall on them. Sadly, Tara will not be getting to that record because it was outvoted. Um, Scott Witt also voted for Sugar Ray. Uh, I thought their first was decent and was shocked when I heard Fly. If you YouTube one of Ricky Rackman's pool party episodes on Headbangers Ball, you will see them. It was before they got signed. They were called Shrinky Dinks. So 90s. Then we get into the people who actually voted for Spiritualized. Brandon Trammell said, I really wanted to go with Sugar Ray 
for an in-depth in-depth analysis of that turd. But I'm more curious to what you um, to hear your take on the spiritualized record. A lot of people I respect speak very highly of them, but they just just never clicked for me. Would love a, f- a fresh perspective on them just to see if I'm missing something. John Davidson said it must be spiritualized. Scott, uh, I believe that's Holgram says spiritualized, and then um, Stephen Musinski says. I almost immediately tapped Sugar Ray, but I thought, let's wait and see how this plays out. The logical part of my brain says spiritualized, but Stahl just says otherwise, which rhymes with spiritualized. And then we also need to mention that uh, we got some uh, comments from Chris Martz, who also voted for voted for Sugar Ray. So people who voted for spiritualized actually didn't comment that much. Most of the people who commented voted for Sugar Ray. Interesting. Guess they wanted the album to speak for itself rather than make comments on it. So right. we appreciate that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash dig me out to join the conversation and vote on these episodes. We'll have another one coming up for July very soon, or we already did. Depends on when this uh yeah, we should or there's probably one going on right now. Who knows? Just become a Patreon subscriber and you'll find out. Jay, were you familiar with Spiritualized? Well, yes, I was. Oh, okay. Uh, I always like their album art. I like the uh, super minimal, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of um, music as product look, right. which I always thought was unique and stood out. So, as a designer, that I was always attracted to that, and I had heard the band a little bit here and there. I think this is the first, in terms of album art, where they really did it well. The first mm-hmm. ones are okay, but then when you get into like let it come down and again you just like you said the minimalism mm-hmm. and songs and any and yeah they're all very cool so i didn't listen to this record when it came out i had no idea anything about it um i got this in the aughts i think i listened to it maybe once and that was it i didn't really uh get into it very deep so this is the first time that i've actually spent any significant amount of time with it mm-hmm. so me too Let's talk about it then, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space by spiritualized. Um, well, this is a, I think this is music. It, so reviewing this music for us, I think is difficult because I think this music is about the people that enjoy it. I believe it's more about the experience around listening to it. So that might mean, there's a lot of bands that fall in this category. That might mean, taking drugs while listening to it or being with other people or seeing it live or adding visualization. There's like some other, I think component that needs to accompany it for it to be fully appreciated. That's been my experience of like, at least sort of generally casually talking to people that like this band, it falls into one of those types of categories. So when you're reviewing it for us, you know, and you're kind of scrutinizing it just from a pure music standpoint, and I don't know about you, but I didn't start taking drugs to to review this record. No. Uh, It becomes, I think, maybe out of context. Um, So it's difficult, I think, to really fully understand it. So for the comment that said, you know, didn't quite click, um, that's where, in general, I'm going to be. I mean, there's parts of this that sound gorgeous i mean there's all kinds of orchestration and layering and you know 
amazing sounding instruments from strings to organs and harmonica and you know really nice like bass tones and i mean it just it sounds lush it sounds really nice the problem is is that it was it's very hard to like focus and engage with the record for me um there's moments where you're like i i was in processing it and i quickly found my brain wandering Maybe that's kind of the point of the of the, of, of the record. There's moments here and there of, you know, fairly compelling songwriting. And overall, I think the, the biggest strength of it is, is though the production. I think it just sounds great. I mean, you can just, this is the kind of record you can put on and kind of go do other things or you could, there's some sections that get pretty noisy, but outside of that, for the most part, it just, you know, it's, it, um, fairly unoffensive until it gets to those noise songs mm-hmm. um so i think sonically it's I'll, I'll i'll just generally give that a big thumbs up how about you uh i concur with you i think i responded to this record a, a lot uh more favorably in terms of an overall listen and i think it probably has to do with um my maturing on music listening in terms of i probably would not have sought this record out if i had heard it like at a listening stall 10 20 years ago at you know at the virgin megastore or if i had um heard it at a friend's house i i think i'm a little more in tune not because i'm dropping any uh acid or smoking pot or whatever but um i like these longer musical passages and actually there's most of these songs are not long which was surprising you know you have most of them are in the three four to five minute range and then you have like basically two tracks that are extended songs um track mm-hmm. eight i think or track three i think i'm in love and then which is eight minutes and then track 12 cop shoot cop which is almost like a a suite of it in the way that it unfolds I found this record to be like a fantastic combination of so many different sounds and influences, gospel and blues and orchestral, and there's stuff that sounds like straight out of 90s Britpop and then completely twists into like 90s take on soul, and it's really fascinating, and he incorporates just so many different approaches and directions and sounds that I just, I found myself, I, I know what you're talking about where you can kind of put it on and like have it as background. Um, but it always like would pull me in when there would be something unusual or an inch, a weird instrument and where I, a sound that I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I don't know if you peaked or not, but I, I did listen to the, all of the, there's a two disc bonus track version um, mm-hmm. that has a lot of basic demos and 
studio alternate mixes and and just like the choirs playing by themselves or singing by themselves or the orchestras playing by themselves and you can hear like these songs when they started out with just like him and a guitar or like a little drum machine and it's really fascinating to hear how he like basically wrote a very straightforward song and then completely deconstructed it and rebuilt it around like an orchestra or a noise part or you know just like these wild interpretations of the of his own songwriting and it's you know, the end result is just something that um probably just took me a while to like fully embrace it but i like really enjoyed this entire record all the way through and um i think it's because it's so unpredictable in its approach even though it's very stubborn in terms of like um when it finds a groove it sticks with that groove and that's okay. I don't mind sort of that, like, I don't know what it's called. Uh, monotony? No, it's not monotony. Uh, <laughs> Repetition? Drone. There's like a, you know, there's a drone aspect to some of the stuff where it kind of just finds, you know, like a Autobahn, you know, craft work groove and just sticks yeah. to it. Um, and in hearing this now, I can totally hear other bands that have borrowed from this record. Like, so this came out in 97. If you listen to like the first track on Blur's 1999 album, 13, the song Tender, I mean, I don't know how that had to have been influenced by Cool Waves using that gospel choir. Mm. I mean, I, that was the, like I heard the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this is this is Tender two years earlier. And it's just it's just fascinating because there's just I hear now in listening to this so much music that I had never heard back then, whether it's Brian Eno or um you know, noisier experimental bands. And now it makes much more sense than it probably would have for me back then. So uh in terms of the one thing that I liked, um the one thing is I like the whole record. <laughs> so uh it's hard to narrow it down. I also like how intimate he makes it feel without or while still being really grandiose in its production. Like, I don't ever feel like um, I think if he had overdone his own vocal, it would have made this a little bit distant for me. But I think he does a good job of keeping his vocal really grounded and it, it keeps the record on a level that's like, you can appreciate the songs just as the songs. Like if you just knocked out cop shoot cop and um, I think I'm in love. I mean, you have a pretty standard like 10 song record. I mean, there, yeah, there's songs that are like noise and they go places that are, you know, a little bit more experimental, but there's a lot of stuff that's pretty straightforward on here. Like electricity is a single. I mean, that sounds like a suede song. Yeah. That's probably one of my favorites songs on the record i hear you I, i'm not saying that um that uh, uh, that there's not those moments that grab my attention for the same reasons um I, th- I think what it came to mind though is 
it does pull a bunch of unexpected things together. Um, it does use a lot of, you know, just great sounding instruments and just sounds that are, you know, compelling and, but it kind of doesn't do any one thing great. Uh, it, it's like, uh, um, uh, like, uh, it, it's based on uh, what I hear at the core of this is kind of like bread pop, you know, as a basis or, f- but then it's, the songs aren't as strong as what you might hear there. So there's this buildup of orchestration around it, which have some aspects of like performance that are interesting, but none of them really go far enough to, you know, kind of cross that threshold where it's, you know, it's about that. Mm -hmm. And some of the, the, orchestration and structure i guess arrangements are compelling but not quite enough to where it's like pink floyd you know or something like that so i don't know i just found myself like it's in this middle ground of not quite being amazing at any one particular thing but i guess the combination overall uh if you uh it connects with you then it works and if it doesn't then it's kind of just this right i don't know like it's, it's for, I think for me, it's not the sum of its parts. It's just a, it's a bunch of parts, and I think for you, it, it all it all adds up to something. And that's probably the difference between people who connect with this band and those who don't. Right, and I have to say, I've never listened to any other record of theirs, so I don't know if they repeated this or if Jason <laughs> Pierce repeated this yeah. on you know early records or or um, I don't think he did based on the reading about this record. Like this was sort of the breakthrough. For them, even though Spaceman 3, I believe, was kind of a revered band when they were out. Um, but I think that this was sort of pushing what he was doing as a performer and a, and a songwriter. And, a you know, when you look at the album credits, I mean, there's like, I think there's like 10 people who are engineering and mixing. Which when you have like gospel choirs and, you know, or uh, string quartets and stuff, I'm sure that that's not unusual. I mean, it's just a, a massive amount of undertaking to of sure. what they're doing here. Um, I mean, you have freaking Dr. John playing piano on Cop Shoe Cop at the end, which yeah. I read that he actually flew in to the U.S. to re- just record him just for that for that part. So I like I liked your you know the comment you made about you know this kind of became a thing. You know, I, yeah. I, I guess after this record, like there was a lot of other artists who who went in this direction like one that jumps to mind is is wilco do mm-hmm. you think a band like that was oh yeah influenced by this and is that is this kind of the genesis of all that where it was you know you kind of take simple songwriting but you maybe apply the the beach boys concept of you know lush meticulous production over top of it mixed with a little bit of experimentation you know, I think this is on the this is on the continuum of you know people listening to, you know, obviously the the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, and you know Sgt. Pepper's get in terms of big, you know, ambitious concept albums. These those are the albums that people usually start with. I think that the, that this came out the same year as OK Computer is probably not a coincidence that a couple years later you have a band like Wilco who after Summer Teeth, which is a pretty straightforward pop record, 
Then they do Yankee Hope Tell Foxtrot, which has a lot of noise tracks and a lot of stretching and experimentation. Um, and then you get into like a ghost is born that has like a 15 minute long, you know, jam on it. That's very similar to, uh, what's the track? Uh, I think I'm in love has like that kind of groove to it. Might have been this particular record, but there were influences upon this record other than you know just Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper's. Obviously, there's a whole host of influences going into this record. So, but it's entirely possible that you know this was you know something that pushed uh, Jeff Tweedy towards that sound, or just in terms of opening up Wilco Sound from being an alt country rock band into something bigger. Because this kind of thing, I mean, I don't think of like the early '90s having many or of any records like this, and I no. don't think of the '80s of having any records like this. I mean, this kind of when you got to go back to the seven early '70s of when you had this kind of combination of you know simple pop mixed with really lush at times psychedelic or experimental, you know, right? It's Pink Floyd arrangements, and you know, some progressive rock bands genesis early especially mm-hmm. like the early you know the, the peter gabriel era genesis and you know progressive can, can sometimes be a uh, <laughs> a dirty word when it comes to music so it, it, that can be a uh, you know i think maybe something that is an influence on the periphery maybe not a direct influence because i hear you know there's a lot of american influence in terms of like the soul and blues and that use of the, the the use of the gospel choir and and Dr. John's piano and that's obviously not something that you find in there's no none of that in like pet sounds or a lot of orchestral uh song albums that we're talking about in terms of I guess you'd say American soul music so I don't I don't know where he was pulling that from I'd be interested to read interviews with him to see like what sort of things he was drawing from uh, well i mean you had a uh, you know marvin Gaye. that record has a lot of that right i mean there's a lot of incredible musicianship and oh yeah going off almost to a, in a jam territory at, at times you're talking about what's going on um yeah, yeah 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 what do you think about ladies and gentlemen the first track ending with the with that mel like resolving to the melody from that Elvis Presley song. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I was like kind of caught off guard. Apparently there's two different versions of that because the Elvis Presley estate was not happy that they used that. Mm-hmm. And so like in some versions of the album, it's taken out. Mm. And then they, I think they 
were able to put it back in after getting like the proper rights and negotiating because that wasn't actually i mean it wasn't written by elvis it was written by songwriters but well yeah i mean for me it uh because i really i do like how that song kind of builds the layers of the vocal melodies and there's the counters throughout Mm -hmm. but then when it resolves to that i'm like well shit like has this been them playing with that melody the whole time and now i cannot unhear that (laughs) like i i don't know i felt like Boy, I wish they wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that, and they just stuck with what they had already built. So I just never had made that direct connection to the similarities in the melody. Like I don't think I would have gotten there on my own. And then they pointed it out, and you're like, "Well, shit, okay, yeah." So I, I was a little conflicted on that. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing uh, in terms of just like it being familiar is kind of odd, and the rest of the record is obviously unique to them. So I wasn't sure what the rationale was for that because it is a bit distracting, especially with it being the lead-off track. Yeah, they, you know, maybe if they had ended that with that song instead of started with it, maybe yeah, it would have made more been... sense. The other thing I noticed was a uh, cop shoot cop. I'm looking at my notes here. It's funny they have a song called "Come Together," but then I was listening to "Cop Shoot Cop" and the verses. Mm-hmm. kind of sound like a stripped down slower version of the Beatles come together. Like if you just listen to the kind of the rhythm of that and the, some of the accompaniment that made me wonder if like, Oh, is there a connection here? I'm, I, I not, you know, a blatant connection here between the song title of track two and then the record ending with this feel of that, you know, right. Beatles song just, it's sort of piqued my interest. So, well, I, I'll be honest. I had like weird sort of flashbacks with some of these or not flashbacks, but like thoughts about some of these because the come together obviously is a Beatles title. Um, and then stay with me made me think of the faces and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's weird. And then cop shoot cop, which is a band. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. That seems like a very specific phrase. Yeah. I don't know why that would come up. Yeah. Um, Home of the Brave. Obviously, that's has that's a has connotations. That phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the song "Electricity" made me think of the Suede single "Electricity," which I don't know. I gotta look, think back to like when that came out. I think that was was that ninety nine. Yeah, it's ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So it came out yeah. afterwards. So there's not not an issue there. The song reminded me of uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Oh yeah, I can I can see how you could hear that. So there there were some things that reminded me of, like the Verve and um, some of the oh, yeah. like almost like Manchester Stone Roses right, type stuff. Right. Yep. Because um, for as, I mean, I like it better than. I probably like this better than any of those bands. Maybe not the Verve, but any of those Manchester bands. Oh, this is definitely, I mean, loads better than that second Stone Roses record. The first yeah. one is really good, and I still haven't spent enough time with it, but I need to, I need to spend more time with it. But now that I've gone back to it um, and recognizing how good it is, I don't know if it's on par, just because the ambition of this record is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, you know, in terms of 97, I mean... 
this is to me it's on par with okay computer and i don't know where you stand on okay computer what what are you saying well okay computer is kind of considered like the best album that came out that year yeah so are you saying this is to you this record's as good as that i think it's in the ballpark oh my goodness i think it's i think it if i was listing like you know i i would put catherine wills adam and eve would be up there for the best albums of 97 and i would put probably the color and the shape by food fighters trying to think of what else came out in 97 brad's interior sugar ray sugar ray obviously (laughs) the verves urban hymns and um yeah i mean I think, yeah. When you when you if that, if those are the albums that I'm dealing with, then yeah, I think this is one of the probably one of the best albums of that year. Wow, one How of the best that? albums of that year. Okay. How about that? It's no okay computer for me, but point taken. Okay. All right. All right. Well, whatever, man. I bet you like that Save Ferris record from '97. <laughs> We should mention that "Dig Me Out" by the Slater Kenny came out in '97. That would be that would be we would be remiss to not mention as one of the best albums that came out that year, since we named the podcast. Yeah. Uh, after that, after that album, and did a whole episode on it. So Jay, mm-hmm. we should talk about. I, I don't think we need to discuss like any terms of, like impact because this did have a huge impact. And yeah. it did have successful singles, and it put the band on the map. So that's all superfluous discussion. So let's just get into Worthy Album, Better EP, Decent Single. Um, what do you say, Jay? These records are tough. I I, I want to be I want to uh, be honest in that, like I said. It it doesn't connect all the way through for me, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not a worthy album. Um, so while I would probably only pull a couple songs from this that I would ever listen to again, mm-hmm. um, I do think because of its influence and importance, it's a worthy album. And I don't think there's anything other than maybe the individual. Uh, I don't think there's anything on here that I wouldn't that I would skip that they came on, or I would think is a waste of time to listen to uh so you know it's a little grading on curve but i'll I'll give it a a, a worthy record well i'm going to go all in and say i'm fully endorsing a worthy record from start to finish on this record i like the whole thing um it is like i mentioned now entering into the i guess the top five albums for that year for me and um i can see why this is mentioned as you know one of the most important records of the 90s just because of its scope and its just ambitions that i think that it pulls off so it, it's making me curious now to go check out the other spiritualized records to see what came after this because this is you know Radiohead went in a very different direction after OK Computer, and I'm curious to see what Spiritualized did uh, after this. 
Because this this would be a hell of a thing to follow up. We get again a bigger chorus or a bigger gospel sure, choir. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Where do you go from here? You need to go. You're gonna make the river. Bruce Springsteen's the river. Just get an acoustic guitar and. <laughs> is that the one where he's just got an acoustic guitar? Or is it or is it darkness no, on the edge of No, that's a that's Nebraska or Nebraska. Yeah, no, get the river super produced and okay. darkness on the edge of That has hungry heart on it, right? Hungry heart. Yeah, that's, that's on. Un... No. That's not on the river. I don't think so. I was trying Look to think of a super produced song. Maybe. Let me see. Let me see here. Yeah. I'm right. Is it? Yes. It's on the river. Yeah. See? I knew what I'm you talking about. You got it. You got it. I totally knew that. You almost had to take your, your card away. My Bruce card away? Yeah. Don't tell Gary and... Uh... <laughs> Tata Toofy? Yeah. Tata Toofy. All right. Well, we need to thank our Patreon subscribers for picking this record for us to review as our June... Flashback to 1997. Uh, we like to do these as much as possible, so join us over at Patreon. And uh, this record, or the, excuse me, this episode is just before the end of the month, which means you still have time if you're a listener and you're not a subscriber to subscribe, and you can win a free T-shirt by being a subscriber. Just for being a subscriber on June 30th, if you're a subscriber by then, the next day, July 1st, we're going to pick a subs- one of our subscribers to get a t-shirt from the Dig Me Out Zazzle store. So, Zazzle, ha! Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber. Or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Just do it.